welcome to BIV Today. I'm Tyler Orton. Now look, Canadian companies, they've been really ramping up operations in Ireland in recent years. And many of them, companies I've reported here as the tech reporter at Business in Vancouver, a lot of tech companies in BC are eyeballing a country across the pond there. And our relationships have really been benefiting both economies in recent years. So joining us today to delve into those opportunities, it is Deirdre Moran. She is Vice President of Technology and Consumer Services at IDA Canada. IDA, that is Industrial Development Agency of Ireland over there. And and Deirdre, I just want to thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Well, thank you, Tyler. Delighted to be here. So Deirdre, you guys launched in Canada back in 2019, and I I don't know if the timing was the best when we kind of consider what was ahead, but tell me a little bit about uh, the the plan for you guys to launch this agency uh, operations here in Canada, just kind of like getting those relationships going. And tell me about how the the first little bit of it uh, kicked off for you folks. Absolutely. Uh, Happy to do so. We, I suppose, we opened the office in 2019, but IDA has been around for, for a long time. Um, we're actually one of the oldest development agencies of its kind. We've been doing this for over 70 years. Um, what we do very quickly, as you mentioned, is we work with international companies, helping them explore uh, the uh, opportunities to do business and set up operations in Ireland. So our presence in North America has been around since the 40s, um, but mostly out of the US, and we would have supported our Canadian clients from that base. And some of our Canadian clients have been in Ireland since the 50s, um, mostly on the financial services side, uh, and have been kind of, um, I suppose they've had small bases there, but really we've seen a lot of growth uh, throughout the 90s and 2000s, and we're traveling into Canada more and more often, uh, or my colleagues were, um, and we took a decision back in 2018 to open an office here. And at the time there was probably about 40 companies, 38 to be exact, employing about uh, 4,000 people in Ireland. So it took a little bit of time to, to, to get, the, to get the, the, the paperwork in order um, and we opened the office in 2019. Um, and obviously there was challenges given it was just coming into COVID, but it really, even that first six months, uh, gave, gave me a chance to, to find some space, get up and running, meet our existing client base and start to, to build uh, our, you know, our network there and develop more relationships with other key stakeholders. So obviously we work a lot directly with companies who are going through this process, but then working with the VCs, private equity firms, legal firms, tax advisors, anybody really who can influence these types of decisions. So started building out that network. And then six months later, we went into full lockdown. Um, but despite that, have seen you know very, very good growth. Um, the number of client companies uh, from, from Canada has grown to about 60. We're, I think we're at 50, 57. Um, and th- those companies employ almost 8,000 people. So you know, there really has been significant growth, even with, with the challenges of COVID. Uh, and, you know, we really do see potential. We've two people on the ground now, myself and a colleague, Mark. He works with our financial services and life sciences clients. And I work broadly across our tech portfolio. Well, I'm curious about that. Uh, before I was a journalist, I, I worked in the tech industry and uh, our company is a large uh, San Jose-based company, but people in Vancouver, they weren't really interested in uh, working under the San Jose office. A lot of them were trying to get transfers over to Dublin. Um, tell me, what's the appeal uh, for A, the companies, and, and as well as just uh, having kind of that uh, workforce, that well-educated uh, workforce over there? Well, why is this you know such a big deal for a lot of the Canadian companies to see what's going on in Ireland? Yeah, no, absolutely. And you've you've hit the nail on the head there, Tyler. I mean, first and foremost, Ireland is seen uh, as a gateway to Europe for a lot of our clients. So companies are growing, they're scaling in North America, particularly if you're looking at some of those younger, you know, high growth companies, they have a large base here, they have probably grown into the US. And the next 
natural step for them is is Europe. Uh, it's you know a large, uh, wealthy population of consumers, uh, and you know these companies need to be closer to those customers, speaking to them in their time zone, in their language, um, and just even from a cultural perspective, having that you know being that bit closer does help in terms of of building out your business. So. You know, we're seeing a lot of companies set up, setting up go-to-market teams, sales teams, operations, customer support. Uh, and then increasingly, we're seeing more and more companies build out product and software engineering and software development teams, again, driven by the talent piece. So Ireland is a, you know, now today, Ireland is the only English-speaking member of the EU. Uh, we're one of the only English-speaking Eurozone, um, Eurozone countries. And that's really, really attractive for uh, for Canadian companies. So you can set up in Ireland, you can do business with your with you know, Germany, France, uh, across all of the European countries with no barriers. There's also no barriers in terms of hiring. So all, any EU citizen can live and work in any other EU country, um, which is very, very attractive. There's a labor pool of 250 million people. And then we also have a very open immigration policy similar to Canada. So there's no cap on work permits. So if you do want to bring somebody over from Canada to, to, to see the team or help develop uh, the operation there, or indeed bring somebody from Australia or India or China, it's very, very easy to do so with a fairly, fairly uh, rapid turnaround in Ireland. Uh, there has been some delays due to COVID, but you know, in general, you're talking about three to four weeks to get a work permit for somebody who requires one. Uh, so that, and today, because of those open immigration policies, Ireland has one of the most uh, international workforces, which you know, historically Ireland would, would, would have been very, um, would have been considered very, um, uh, I suppose, uh, international. But today, one in 12 people live in, 17% of the population in Ireland are, were not born in Ireland. And that compares mm. to about 9% across uh, Europe. So it's one of the most international workforces in the EU. The other thing I'm very interested about, we, we've been following, you know, the, the launch of CETA or the Comprehensive Economic and Trade Agreement between the EU and Canada for a number of years. And I, I think it took a little while to kind of get going, but um, how has CETA played a part in get the, getting those relationships closer between Ireland and Canada over the past few years? Yeah, so CETA has been, um, in terms of, like, I mean, I suppose it's removed 98%, I think, of the barriers and tariffs in terms of trade between uh, Canada and, and the, the European Union. So, you know, it essentially is there, there are no barriers to trade. And I think what that has uh, has um, has allowed Canadian companies to, to look at Europe and European markets sooner. So the three drivers for us really behind the office was was the uh, was CETA. So again, and, and, and I feel like the Canadian government was doing a lot of work in terms of encouraging uh, Canadian companies to look beyond you know, the traditional US market, obviously, the US market is hugely important and will continue to be so. But in terms of diversifying where, uh, where, where, where um, companies are, are looking at, at, at getting more business. So uh, Canadian companies started looking at, at, at Europe at an earlier stage. Uh, the other big driver from our perspective was Brexit. So there's a long history between Canada and the UK. C Canadian companies would find a, a historically found a natural home in terms of setting up a European operation in in the UK but when the UK made that decision to leave the European Union that that caused a lot of Canadian companies to pause and look elsewhere so we've seen actually uh, and I think we've officially uh, and I think there's over 120 or 30 companies that have moved um, operations out of the UK into Ireland as a result of Brexit some Canadian companies in there on the financial services side like BMO Scotiabank uh, TD Securities have scaled up teams in Ireland, moving some of their EU functions out of out of London and into Ireland on the back of Brexit. 
Um, so those those two, CETA and Brexit, really were were big drivers in terms of, uh, I suppose, our commitment to the Canadian market and the increasing growth of Canadian companies into Ireland. Uh, I'll, I'll editorialize just a bit, but I, I remember following Brexit for, well, years and years and years. And uh, for me, it just seemed like such a, a pound uh wise or a penny wise pound foolish sort of uh, part on, on our, our English speaking cousins over there. But you kind of get the idea then it, it is to the benefit to a certain degree of Ireland able to kind of seize on a lot of these relationships that the UK had to give up. Yeah, I think it's 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 hard to say that Brexit was a benefit for for anyone. Um, I think yeah. as as a as a country, we would have been we would have preferred to have our closest neighbour um, stay in in the European Union. But we've long historic ties uh, with with the UK, and I think we've managed to come to a really really good um, position in terms of, of 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 the future of the relationship between the two countries. But if we kind of bring it down to our little world of inward investment, there has been some positive. Uh, that's probably the only silver lining uh, in terms of 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 of, uh, of Brexit for us, um, where we have seen increased investment and Brexit-driven decisions. The two biggest sectors I mentioned financial services, but we've seen some technology companies also move their decisions away from the UK, um, because for for probably three reasons. One being the um, well. Again, free access to the European market from from a, from a product and services perspective, but also free free access to the European market from a from a talent perspective. And having that like an increased barrier around permits or, or, or visas or immigration really is you know can can be off putting. And then the third piece is the the regulation piece. So you know getting a a, um, a license to do business, be that a financial you know a, a banking license or uh, for for tech companies it was it predominantly GDPR. So you know, if, if you're looking at uh, your European privacy laws, which you know differ uh, across across the world, um, we, we've seen technology companies choose Ireland as their European headquarters from a privacy perspective because it was just easier to manage on, on a pan-European basis. Uh, with, there was obviously you know uh, more complications if you're not in the uh, European Union uh, managing you know consumer data. So it has absolutely driven some business for us, but we we still you know would have preferred if there was a, a different outcome back in 2016. Well, I, I got to ask, you know, you're based in Toronto most uh, times. Uh, what's bringing you out to uh, the West Coast here this week? You're going to be visiting Vancouver, uh, Victoria. You're in Vancouver as we speak. Um, what's Correct. the appeal of uh, making inroads here in British Columbia? Yeah, well, apart from the absolutely stunning scenery and, and beautiful city uh, of Vancouver, it'll be my first time in Victoria. So I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, essentially a big part of our job. So we we are always... IDA, I suppose, has, has kind of three main remits. One is is working with our existing portfolio of clients. We have 1,700 companies uh, that we work with that are, use Ireland as a European base. They employ over 275,000 people, so massive impact on the Irish economy. Um, as I mentioned, we have uh, over 60, uh, we've got 60 Canadian clients. My, my job is to work with our existing investors, ensure that they're successful. If there's any issues, we feed that back into government policymakers and, and to, to ensure that they continue to grow and invest in their Irish operations. So I'm, I'm meeting with some existing clients here this week. Um, just to maybe to, to reference a few, like TELUS International, which is headquartered here in Vancouver, is our is the largest Canadian company uh, in Ireland. They have three operations. They employ over 2,000 people. Uh, one in, in in the south of the country, the west of the country, and in Dublin, um, it is their international headquarters. Uh, very, very. They came in through an acquisition and have have grown significantly since then. Um, Clio is another great local example here. Clio have been in Ireland for a number of years. They actually opened up the European headquarters back when they raised their Series B. 
um, as, as they started to look international uh, at that stage. They've since grown. It's their sales and support for Europe. They've also a product development team there in Ireland. So ensuring that, you know, they they continue to, to get what they need from the Irish market. Trulio is another great example. They have their European headquarters in Ireland. They're up to about 30 people. About six months ago, they announced um, in summer last year, they 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 announced they would be growing threefold uh, at their Irish operation, driven by the global demand for their services. So, yeah, meeting with ex- uh, existing uh, clients here, but also meeting with, um, and I mentioned this earlier on, some of the stakeholders that are guiding companies around these decisions and, and with some potential companies who are in, in the process of, of, of exploring international expansion. So, yeah, so that's that's why I'm in town for the, for the most part um, and um, looking forward to meeting with more people while I'm here. Well, it's just been amazing for me. I've been covering the tech sector almost a decade here at uh, Business in Vancouver. And, we, you know, you'd have an, a unicorn, you know, one of those companies with a billion dollar valuation. Yes. It would emerge every once in a while. I think, you know, before kind of this flood of, uh, you know, investor capital came in during the pandemic, I think we had like one in three years. And over the last like 14, 15 months, it's, it's almost like an average of like one a month. So it's kind of a, just interesting to see how this market has exploded and it needs to get that labor. It needs to get that talent, which th- there's a global talent crunch as well. And, um, you know, what is it about kind of the, uh, the, the Irish talent that they have access to that, that makes it so appealing? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's really exciting to, to be here, kind of watching that happen um, uh, in the market. And I feel, you know, I think three of the unicorns that you mentioned have a base in Ireland, East and Tyre being the third one. So Trulio, Clio and East and Tyre. And we're, you know, in active discussions with others as well. So hoping that number will grow. Um, I guess what Canadian companies can get from Ireland, as I mentioned first, it, it is access to the European market. But really, the the the, the talent piece is the number one conversation that we're having with companies. Can they get the right people that can build out the teams and, and do the job that they need them to do? Can they sell? Can they, you know, operate at, at, at a level that they need them to operate at? And that's something Ireland excels in. We've been doing this, we've been around for 70 years. We've been in this game for a long time. And the whole ecosystem has developed around that. And that includes the talent piece. So what we're finding is companies like like a Clio or a Trulio are coming into Ireland, they find a really good... and, and key is getting that, that that first hire right so that they can get really um, good European um, manager or director that can that knows the local talent market, that knows the European market, that can pull in the right people and really execute on their European expansion. So these com- these might come from, you, you, you referenced your, your previous employer in San Jose, but you know, there's companies like Google, Facebook, Microsoft, Amazon, all have thousands of people in Ireland. People have grown up with those companies and now they're looking at getting... Um, you know, moving on to the next stage of their career and really leading a team. And that works very, very well. So we see that kind of turnover at a, at a, at a senior level coming in and kind of helping these companies scale. So, you know, they might come in and initially, if you take Shopify, great Canadian example, they came in um, into Ireland in 2015, 2016. Uh, at the time, they were planning to hire about 30 or 40 people in customer support. They obviously their, their business did very well as well over the last number of years. But the, the Irish operation has since grown to over 750 people. They carry out over 30 different functions. It's they can I think they service up to 15 different languages. They also have technical. They, so they have sales support, operations, HR, and it is their international HQ. So a lot of their you know EMEA and, and international expansion is managed by the Irish operation. Um, so really, really great examples of companies that come in to do one thing, but because of the talent uh, and and the and the experience of the workforce there. They're able to grow and expand beyond their 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 initial remit. And I've I've had 
lots of uh, you know I have a lot of clients here who have told me that it's been the easiest country that they've ever set up an operation in and one of my favorite um pieces of feedback was uh it's, it's a, um, a senior executive said to me there's this term that my irish team use uh when, when they don't know what to do they just say can you just leave it with us because uh, <laughs> uh they, they, they'll just kind of figure it out um and that that really works well in terms of and it just takes i mean the senior executives are busy um, and it just takes one layer of, of, of worry and oversight away from them. So, you know, I, I like if you look back at our stats, we have had, you know, very, very few closures over the year. It's usually a market decision. And what we see um, more and more is uh, reinvestment and growth. Last year, we had over 250 investments from from companies around the world. 104 of those were new companies coming in for the first time, but the other 150 was companies that were there that were growing, expanding, adding R and D, upskilling, um, and and so that really shows the kind of uh, value that Ireland can add when companies continue to invest. Um, Telus, local again to reference a Vancouver company, just two weeks ago announced a, a three hundred person expansion at their sites in Ireland. That was on the back of an, another expansion about six months ago where they announced um, about forty jobs. So you know they they continue to grow because they find the talent and and are successful. Are there concerns that maybe the, the talent, uh, the availability of talent will one day hit a ceiling or is there just still kind of that flood coming in? Because it, it is a global you know, labor shortage right now and it's really tight market uh, for talent, at least here in British Columbia, too. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's there's a global war for talent. It's As I said, it's the number one conversation that we're having with companies. Um, all we can do is make sure that we have the policies and the 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 programs in place to 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 promote upskilling and 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 attract attract talent. So Ireland has the youngest workforce, the fastest growing, sorry, the youngest population and the fastest growing population in in Europe. Um as I said we also have uh one of the highest levels of 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 international uh um the international population is is very high and it's also one of the most best educated workforces in Europe. So I think something like 55% of the population has third level um, uh, education. That compares to about 40%, I think, is the uh, EU average. So well-educated, fast-growing population, and also with no barriers to immigration. And then there's, if you step back, there's a, you know, we have a very strong economy. We have a really strong tech sector. I mentioned some of the big brands there. We also have a very strong biotech, pharmaceutical and medical device industry. We have very good industrial technologies and clean tech uh, uh, clusters as well. And, the, you know, having those kind of key brand names and those clusters attracts the talent uh, internationally, similar to what Canada, Canada has here as well. And that keeps the, the, the population growing. We hit five million last year, uh, as a, which is very small in the grand scale of things. But that's the, high, the, the first time we've hit a population of five million since the famine. So the population is growing. It's one of the only growing uh, populations in Europe. Um, and we also have a number of so the other part of what we we do is we feed into government policy around uh, ensuring that our clients have the talent supply. So we do a survey every year where we try and understand the skills needs and we feed that into the education system. So they're always developing new courses that are aligned with industry needs. Uh, just last year, Stripe, Shopify and a number of other tech companies launched the first immersive software engineering degree that they believe is globally so these students are going in doing a four-year degree um but six months of, of every year is spent with an industry partner um, and that is you know you know a, a, a really really good development to make sure that these uh, you know software, software developers are coming out industry ready so absolutely there's there is a, a global um 
competition for, for talent. But all we can do as a country uh, is, is try to ensure that we're doing the best we can to ensure there is an ongoing supply. Well, excellent. You know, I could pick your brain for another uh, 20, 30 minutes. Uh, I will let you go. But uh, Deirdre, thank you so much for making time to chat with us today. No, thank you so much. And um, as I said, you know, we're very findable, uh, based in Toronto, but here all the time. If anybody ever wants to talk more about what Ireland can offer, uh, we'd be more than happy to engage. Oh, excellent. That is uh, Deirdre Moran. She is Vice President of Technology and Consumer Services at IDA Canada. That is it for the show today. But if you go to BIV.com, you can find more interviews, videos, and stories there. In the meantime, I just want to thank everyone for listening. I'm Tyler Orton.